everyone. Welcome to NOVA Southeastern University's South Florida Geriatric Work Enhancement Program podcast, also known as the SF Web podcast. We are here to educate, encourage, enhance our knowledge and skills, and promote all those amazing health professions experts working with the elderly, including caregivers and interprofessional teams. My name is Dr. Shweta Tiwari, and I'm an assistant professor at Kiran C. Patel College of Osteopathic Medicine at NOVA Southeastern University, as well as an administrative director of the South Florida Geriatric Workforce Enhancement Program. In today's episode, we are taking an in-depth look at gambling addiction in elder populations with a subject matter expert, Dr. Marty Eccles. Dr. Eccles currently serves as a Dean of the College of Biomedical Sciences at Larkin University in Miami, Florida. Dr. Eccles received a Master's in Education from Ashland University and a PhD from Ohio University, both located in Ohio. She has an extensive background in higher education spanning more than 40 years serving as a faculty member, research and administrator. Her research interests are in interactive education models, simulation learning in healthcare, patient communication skills, and professionalism. Through the integration of her extensive experience and knowledge, she has been recognized nationally for her research and publications. In 2022, the Marcus Who's Who publication board recognized Dr. Eccles as one of the top 200 educators in the United States. Congratulations, Dr. Eccles. Thank you so much. <laughs> so hello, Dr. Eccles. It's a pleasure to welcome you to our SFQEP podcast, and I want you to thank you for your time and expertise. Thank you so much. I'm so privileged to be here. It's truly my honor. So can we start by you telling us why this topic is important to you? This is a really interesting story, but I would like to share it. You know, it was, yes, it is important to me, and it was odd because my first experience in, with gambling was actually with my boss when we were attending the opening of a casino in Detroit, Michigan. So I found the environment to be really energetic and I won money. And then over the years, I continued to love gambling. Slot machines are truly my favorite. It's just a really unique and fun activity. What I enjoyed most is that you need to be fully present and concentrate when you're playing. So it completely clears my head. It makes you forget about everything. You de-stress, you forget all your worries. And this is very attractive for us elderly folks. So I can see it's a good hobby as well, right? Yes. I mean, as older adults, we mostly focus on what we call games of choice. Mm -hmm. So that would include lottery tickets, bingo, and slot machines, and of course now they have online like poker and things like that. This type of gambling is what's known as social gambling, which is perfectly suited for the elderly. The concern is when the gambling itself creates a financial impact on the person or on the family. Because gambling is one of those hobbies that can quickly create financial ruin. Okay, so that's good to know. So specifically what you're trying to say that gambling impacts older adults from a financial perspective. Yes. Do you think there are any other aspects of life which gambling can impact? We have to be very careful with the incidence of pathological gambling mm -hmm. in those people that are affected with Parkinson's disease. Their rate of 
pathological gambling is significantly higher than the other general population. And there has been in the literature a correlation between the dopamine and agonist medication mm -hmm. and the development of pathological gambling. So the literature is showing that incidence is there, that correlation is there. That's good to know. I also saw some literature citing that there is a correlation between substance abuse and gambling. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Absolutely. Anytime a person has actually several types of risks, okay, so what I call social risks like alcohol abuse, drug abuse, they are even somebody who is very anxious, generalized anxiety disorder symptomology. Anytime someone is prone to those activities, they're more likely to start gambling and can get easily addicted. I think the other couple of risk factors that we need to consider is, of course, the social risk of the elderly, because often we've lost our support system as our friends age or move away. So isolationism is a problem. And casinos have that type of environment that's really accessible and energy. There's lots of people there. So we have to look at social risks, psychological risks, of course, poor coping mechanisms, the, the need for impulsive trading, you know, those kind of behaviors that we have. And of course, any type of biological risk, like any type of as we age, dopamine or serotonin functioning, that kind of thing is puts you more at risk than the general population. Thank you, Dr. Eccles. So that was wonderful to know. So Parkinson's disease, substance abuse, and other mental health issues are associated with gambling. What do you think about isolation? Because older adults tend to be isolated you know, much more as compared to other individuals. And that is when gambling becomes, you know, one of the favorite hobbies. So is all gambling bad or is some gambling okay? Where does an individual draw a line? I think you're correct. I think isolationism, and I think we really were highlighted on that during the COVID about how significant that impacts the elderly. And yes, many of them get started, especially with online activities like bingo, like slot machines, like online poker, these kinds of things. I think the difference that when it becomes an addiction, when it becomes something that it begins to impact your quality of life, where it's like any other addictive behavior, where it's something that you need to do. There are people that go to the casino every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, it becomes a mechanism. And, you know, it's just a need rather than what we spoke of earlier, which is a social gambling. It's not mm -hmm. uncommon for people to get out. As a matter of fact, a lot of the ALFs, they do bus tours and they go it's on gambling trips and things like that. So it's different when a person is addicted and that's what we have to watch for. Okay, so we do need to know the parameters around gambling basically. Mm -hmm. Gambling seems like a harmless activity as we talked about or maybe you know how we understand it. But where and how do you think healthcare professionals need to be involved? Like how do we intervene? When do we intervene? Uh, or do we really intervene? Well, there's a couple of things I think that we need to consider. And I agreed with you that it seemed like a really harmless activity. 
until I started to take a deeper dive. As I looked around, as you observe people in the casino in particular, or in the lines of publics at the lottery counter, and you realize there's something else more going on. I began to do some research and I realized that the casino gaming industry is a $40 billion industry. Mm-hmm. And it's basically attracting and targeting the older adults. They know that that group of people are craving the social issues that we brought up, that they're beginning to experience some cognitive decline. And so they need to be a little more aware of what they're doing. That I think the other issue that was concerning to me is that there's actually mechanisms inside the slot machine that's programmed in there that kind of lulls you into a trance. And for elderly populations, we're at risk for that. We, you know, we can get taken in very, very quickly. Older Americans are the fastest growing population of gambling addicts. That was concerning to me as I begin to read more about gambling habits of people. 32% of the people that are gambling addicts think in terms of committing suicide. Our elderly are at risk for these kinds of things due to many other factors that might be happening in their life. So, you know, listening to all this, it, it kind of feels that it's, it's really important, like if you bring a patient or an older adult in a clinical environment, that some of these questions should be explored when a clinician actually meets with the patient. Do you think that this could be an essential question which should be asked to an older adult, whether you're involved in gambling or not, or you're associated with it? Or do you think this should be just left to the family to take care? I think when it's left to the family, it probably doesn't happen. These are not <laughs> <laughs> these are not topics that children usually explore. But yes, I think as our healthcare providers, I think there is a mnemonic called casino. So there is a cohort of patients that the provider needs to be aware of. So let me go over those with you. So the casino is the mnemonic. So C is chronic health problems. So patients that have multiple chronic problems, affective disorders of any kind for the A, S, any patient that would be at risk for suicide, anyone who's treating people who have been incarcerated, that's the I, and the N, O, the no of the casino mnemonic is no money, a lot of credit card debt, maybe financial problems beginning to present themselves, running out of money before they run out of months. <laughs> these, these kinds of things when a provider has to know their patients, and you know, I'm a big follower of the 4Ms model. Mm-hmm. So these would be things that would be integrated into the patient interview if they know that elderly person is potentially in one of those areas. It should be incorporated into the patient interview. So, Dr. Eccles, we discussed about all the screening methodologies uh, for older adults with addiction. Can you describe some of the treatment modalities? You know, if, if we do know that an older, uh, older adult has gambling addiction, what exactly or where should that person go? How can that person seek treatment? Right, and understand that there are no 
um, medications or anything for oh. this type of addiction, okay? Right. So what it involves primarily is therapy, cognitive therapy primarily. Mm -hmm. And so the one that is the most popular is Gamblers Anonymous. But for those of you who might be wanting to broach this tub maybe with your parents, it might be helpful if you accompany them or you begin to share a little bit of, uh, about how the gambling system works, um, how much have you been losing or winning. Um, I would think that it would be a topic that you would bring up with a therapist rather than I, I think a doctor would have to give you maybe the um, Gamblers Anonymous line, or I would use myself, I would say the uh, Smart Recovery, which is a, you know, that's an organization that can kind of meet you at the point where you are. I think most elderly people are going to do like most, you know, addicts do with something. They're going to reject the idea that it's not, it's just what they do to have fun, that it's not that bad of an idea as long, and the question is, where where does it go from having fun to becoming a problem? Right. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, you know, playing the lottery every day and I can still have food and pay all my bills and this, you know, type of thing, it may not be you as the child the best use of their money, but it is their money and as long as they're meeting their financial criteria and they're healthy and happy, one would think there is no problem. When it comes to the point where they're having to go without food, go without medicine, not able to pay their phone bill, electric bill, and you know that they have resources coming to their house, that that's when the parent, the child is gonna to have to intervene or the spouse is going to have to intervene and this is something that they're going to have to develop a partnership and say this is something we have to work on together. Therapy works best when the entire family is involved because you know uh, addictions are not only involving the person with the addiction, it embraces the entire family. So Dr. Eccles, we talked a lot about uh, screening of uh, gambling uh, disorders among older adults. Now, as with any other addiction, we talked about financial issues, there are social issues, family issues, there are work issues. Mm. So, <laughs> I have thought about that one. <laughs> so, so if at all, like, you know, a healthcare provider or a family member or a neighbor, you know, identifies a problem like that, what do you think would be the best approach for treatment? I believe it should be integrated into the provider's patient interview to determine if it's really an addiction. I think what all of us observe when something becomes an addiction is when it begins to impact the quality of life. So we begin to see things like not paying the bills, like you know, all of a sudden you have no food, your lawn is not cut, you are stressed because you have to choose between eating and doing your medication. And yet the family member or the neighbor knows that you do have financial resources. So something, there is funds available to pay those things. And then all of a sudden there, it's, it's not. So that would lend you to believe that it's kind of crossed over 
from I'm out having fun with my friends to I'm doing it and I'm at risk because I'm spending money I don't have. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is I'm not quite sure that people, when you do it every single solitary day, remember an, a person who is an addict has this yearning to do something frequently. So it's not uncommon for them to go to the casino every day, go to the lottery counter every day in the hopes that this is going to be the magic day that they are going to, you know, win everything and everything in my life is going to be better. So I think when you start to see a pattern like that is certainly when you need to begin to be concerned. I mean, I, I would think the biggest risk for gambling is financial. They, I mean, they can, you can burn through money very quickly depending on what they're playing or what, what activity they're involved with. Coming back to my favorite question, if you had one magic wish to make about your topics in terms of research, uh, clinical care or education, what would it be? For me, I think it's all about education. That would be my one wish. I think, especially here in Florida, there are a lot of opportunities to participate in uh, gambling like lottery, like bingos, like the casinos, which we have many. So I think the education of us as older members of the society, I think it's important for us to understand the potential. We'd have to be mindful mm -hmm. of that. We need to learn about it and we need to be mindful of it so that we can gauge and monitor our own behavior. And I think it's important for providers to know just like myself, that it was not as harmless as you think, that it's something that we have to be alert to. Just like social media and all these other things that are happening now, we just have to be more mindful. So really beginning to get ourselves educated about it, putting out the word. Education, definitely. Definitely, I think we need to educate our audience. We need to educate our, you know, our healthcare professionals, our patients, our providers. So Dr. Eccles, I have another question, and I was always very curious about it. As with any other addiction, gambling also requires money. So most of the time it is assumed that if you have money, you probably would be <laughs> you know, playing more of poker or going for the slot machines and all those things. But have you read or have you seen research about gambling disorder being more associated with a specific sociodemographic profile? I know we're talking about older adults, but even among older adults, do you see some cultural variations or an impact of religion somewhere, you know, kind of being associated with gambling? I think religion and culture impact the gambling. One of the biggest segments that we see growing now is Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. um, Close-knit family culture, but keep to themselves, that is happening. So when the elderly person begins to get into trouble, they're more likely not to tell anybody they're not likely to share that because of the embarrassment. Mm -hmm. You know, the other group that you have is some of the religious groups. Um, certainly, you know, uh, a Muslim, for example, where this is not even, you know, something that they should be involved in. Mm -hmm. So if they not only get into something that is not acceptable in their culture, then they're likely not to get help until it gets quite severe. 
There's also an issue in terms of economic, so socioeconomic status for whatever reason, um, maybe because they're waiting for that big payday, mm -hmm. is people who can least afford to uh, gamble are prone to doing it more often because they're waiting for this big opportunity to, to come to pass. Everybody has that desire, like everything's going to be. It's like all of us when you know the lottery ticket gets to be billions of dollars and we all go out to buy our $2 ticket. <laughs> But for them, it's much more serious. You mm -hmm. know, it. You know, that's what I'm saying. Um, anytime you have uh, an open, honest, aware type, you know, conversation, whether it's with friends or family, when you're dealing with an issue, if you have that type of structured support system, you're going to reach out long before it becomes a problem. Those people that don't have that kind of a support system or they're embarrassed by it, are least likely to get help before it becomes problematic. One additional question, and that could be the last question, Dr. Eccles, basically. But where can the audience find more resources on this topic? I think the one that is the most popular is, of course, Gamblers Anonymous, which is an 800 number. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of things I think we need to understand that when it gets into the field of addiction, that there is no insurance, there's no medication that's available to help you. So we do depend on other resources, especially when it comes to the financial impact. There is an organization called GAM Anon, which mm -hmm. will help you in helping to redo your finances and get you back on track. There is an online behavioral therapy company that is organized called smartrecovery.org uh, that is available for you and that's an online service. And then there is, it's called alldayssearch.com and it is a resource that you can pay for. So it costs about $32 a week, but it helps you. You can work with a therapist to begin to learn how to curtail your gambling and get away from the addiction phase and you know, move away from that and back into, back to the social gambling initiatives <laughs> and away from the, you know, the addiction phase. So. I know, back to having fun without worrying about <laughs> that, you know, that it becomes an addiction. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's just it's another hard. challenge yeah, for, if you think about the way casinos are constructed, they're for people that are disabled who have difficulty mm -hmm. walking, etc. They're usually on the first floor. They have valet service for parking. Mm -hmm. The aisles are very wide. There's plenty <laughs> of food and drink and social activities. So it's really an ideal place for many people to socialize. So it's attractive. It's a great outlet. They do get out of their home. No one's going to say much about it, whether it's to go to a bingo game. And you and I both know there are people that go to bingo games seven nights a week. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so. It's, it's an interesting uh, topic to explore. You know, it's an interesting thing that's coming uh, our way. You know, another thing to be mindful of. Thank you so much, Dr. Eccles. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your expertise with our audience. It's been a pleasure having this discussion with you. Please stay tuned for our upcoming topics from our renowned subject matter experts. Thank you once again. Thank you so much. I truly enjoyed it.